0: Blessed be the God of life. Amen. (coughs) The opening line of the gospel passage that we just heard is, um, I think, one of my favorite passages in all of Scripture, or at least maybe one of the funniest. The crowd came together again so that Jesus and his disciples could not even eat. Something about that always amuses me. And part of that is we know how important eating is to Jesus and his disciples. And uh, I always think, you know, that, 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 there's an important message there. They wouldn't have made it into the gospel if there wasn't something important going on there. They couldn't even eat, which was so important to who they were and what they were doing. And some people speculate that actually uh, it's an allusion to... Celebrating the Eucharist and that Jesus and the disciples had gathered to break bread and they could not even worship together because so many people had come into the house wanting Jesus' attention and time. But it's a very curious passage, especially in the way it starts with that opening line, especially because the opening line of the gospel we just heard is actually the middle of the sentence, That doesn't happen a lot, but that's the middle of the sentence. Now, context tends to be everything, and I often think the people who put the uh, lectionary together, the assigned readings for every Sunday, assume a level of uh, biblical literacy that most of us, myself included, just don't have. So what is the context of this passage and this odd beginning to it? Jesus has begun his ministry of healing and uh, doing ministry with the disciples. And as Jesus has begun healing people and casting out unclean spirits, which could include things like people with epilepsy or mental illness, Jesus has attracted more and more people And these are all people that someone like Jesus from a good Jewish family shouldn't be hanging out with. So uh, these crowds start growing more and more and more. And in the scene just before this, Jesus actually asks the disciples to have a boat ready so the crowd doesn't crush him and he can escape after he's healed people. Then Jesus takes the 12 apostles and goes up, on the mountaintop, and there Jesus appoints them as his apostles to go forth and proclaim the good news of God's kingdom and to heal in his name. And then Jesus returns to his home, which is actually the beginning of the sentence. And then we have the passage from today. And the context of the passage today is everyone's saying, what is going on with this guy? People from all over are coming to be with him, and he's defying all of our social norms. He is welcoming the outcast. He is healing people he should not be touching. He is ministering with his disciples to the unclean. People are saying he has lost his mind. He's insane. Now, this word has traveled to Jesus' mother and his brother and sisters, his family. And so they have come in part out of concern for Jesus, but also out of concern for their reputation, right? Because everyone's looking at them like, this guy's nuts and he's yours, So there's some self-interest in this as well. Then the scribes come with an accusation that is central to the passage, that Jesus is an agent of Beelzebul, Satan. For the scribes, Jesus is a direct threat to their authority. But the healing Jesus is doing is real. They can't deny that he's actually healing people. But where could his power be coming from? And it is a power that stands as a threat to their own authority. The scribes are afraid of his power, and so they accuse Jesus of being possessed by Beelzebul. Now, the word Beelzebul translates literally as Lord of the Flies. Lord of the Flies. Do any of you happen to know a book <laughs> or several movies uh, made about the book titled The Lord of the Flies? Yes? So, for the 1% of you who have not been required to read this in school at some point in your life... A group of boys are marooned on an island and as they struggle for survival and hopes of rescue, they start fracturing into tribes and uh, there is wrestling for power and for authority and also just wanting to be free and play on the beach as they are stuck on this island. And the conflict continues to build, especially among two leaders who will survive, who will be the leader of all the boys as they break into these different groups. And they start to develop a concern that there is a beast living on the island that is going to kill all of them. And the tribe that is the hunting tribe kills a large pig and places the head on a stick in front of where they believe the beast lives as a sacrifice to the beast to try and appease it. But as the pig's head becomes infested with fleas, it becomes the lord of flies and itself becomes a personification of the beast itself. In one scene, a character named Simon comes before the Lord of the Flies and in a vision, the beast, the Lord of the Flies, tells Simon that there is no beast living on the island that's going to attack them, but rather the beast is within each one of them. The beast is their fear. The fear that is driving them against each other in their struggles for power. But today's gospel passage, and indeed the very person of Jesus Christ, is an alternative ending to the Lord of the flies, Some people say that the character Simon in Lord of the Flies is an allegory for Jesus. Maybe he's an allegory for Simon Peter, the Apostle, because, but not for Jesus. Because the message that Simon comes to send, and more importantly, Simon goes down to the beach to tell everybody that there is no beast. The beast is not going to kill them. The beast is within them. And as he comes onto the beach, all the boys are dancing in a frenzy, doing their hunting dance, and they mistake Simon for the beast, and they attack him and kill him. So he never gets to tell them the message. But the message is that there is no beast, the fear is within them. But the message of Jesus is different. The message of Jesus is the kingdom of God is within you so they're not direct allegories and the point of the book the lord of the flies and more importantly the point of the good news of the gospel is that we are all on the island together and we need to decide which tribe we're going to belong to now jesus tribe welcomes all it offers forgiveness and healing. Jesus' tribe is motivated by love. Then there is the tribe of the Lord of the Flies, the tribe of fear that sees others as a threat to its survival. The tribe of fear craves power. The tribe of fear is the tribe of racism, sexism, homophobia. The tribe of fear maintains privilege through the poverty of others. And the eternal sin that Jesus talks about in the passage, referring to the scribes, is because the scribes are representatives of the Lord of the Flies. They are representatives of the tribe of fear, but they are accusing Jesus of being the Lord of the flies, and that is their sin. Now, as a sophisticated Episcopalian, I'm not supposed to like t-shirt theology, but I have to confess a certain fondness for it. I saw a t-shirt recently, on the front it said, no Jesus, no fear, no, K-N-O-W, Jesus, no, N-O, fear. And on the back it said, no Jesus, N-O, no, K-N-O-W, fear, right? No Jesus, no fear, no Jesus, no fear. Fear. Yesterday at Grace Cathedral, five youth from our congregation were confirmed along with over a hundred other youth from around uh, the diocese, and it was a beautiful service. And the service reminded me, there's a point at, which, at the service which we do in confirmation and baptism, and whenever we reaffirm our baptismal vows, uh, where the candidates are questioned, And the first question, the first thing we always do is renounce evil. We renounce the tribe of fear. Then the second thing we do is reaffirm our commitment to Christ, which is all about how we go about living in the words of our Eucharistic prayer today, how we go about living on this fragile earth, our island home. The challenge of the Christian life, at least for me, is that like the boys on the island in The Lord of Flies, it's easy to switch from one tribe to another, right? The boys in the book are kind of realigning themselves all the time with who they think is going to be best for them. And sometimes we catch ourselves switching allegiances, switching to the other tribe. I don't know about you, but I feel like in the course of one day, I can go from the tribe of Jesus to the tribe of fear and back to Jesus and back to fear. And it, it's, that is the Christian life in some ways. But the tribe of Jesus is the tribe of love and forgiveness and healing. And we are always, always welcomed back with an open embrace and with love. And as we enter that tribe, we ourselves are Jesus' sisters and brothers. Now let us go forth and show it.